Hey, what's up everyone? It is Pastor Marcus here from the storychurchproject.com. Welcome to the Story Church Project podcast where our focus is how to redesign the local Adventist church to tell its story loud to a culture that is no longer listening. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It's Marcus here, and I have a really, really tantalizing uh, conversation that I'm going to have today. It's called It's Time to Burn Adventism, and um, that sounds horrible. And so, uh, you know, like part of the challenge with sometimes coming up with these tantalizing titles is that there's these infamous social media wanderers who never actually consume the content. They just read the title, and then they go after you with their, you know... Um, anger and it's like did you even read or hear anyways it's not as bad as it sounds but it is bad so or cool i should say um but i'm not alone i'm ho- I'm, I'm i'm here today with two of the coolest guys in the adventist podcast universe i'm talking about the hosts of burn the haystack podcast joss and desi say what's up guys what's, what's up, up? <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I gotta tell you man like yeah. You can, <laughs> that was like building up. I could hear the chuckles in the background. Like we're trying so hard to hold it together back here. <laughs> I was, I was. You were, you were building it up pretty, oh, pretty man. intense. From I the love, word I tantalizing, it. I was like losing it. <laughs> you know, you know how you know how we Americans are, man. We just gotta, we gotta embezzle everything, dude. You know. <laughs> it's good stuff. So uh-huh. hey, look, I usually only have one guest on this show. Um, I've got two guests today, which is you two. Um, and, and so I just want to start out with, um, maybe just give each of you one minute, uh, cause I want to save a big chunk of time for this, you know, it's time to burn Adventism conversation. Cause I'm sure everybody's like, what is this about? Like, are we just about to encounter some, you know, juicy heresy? Um, but, um, so yeah, look, just a minute from each of you guys, Josh, we can start with you. Um, tell us okay. about the legend of Josh. <laughs> the legend of Josh. Um, well, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a pastor here in New Zealand. I'm currently in Palmerston North, but about to move and be pastor in Hamilton church. I love, um, music. I love my wife. I love my cats and I love my church and I love Nintendo. Nice. No, I like wow. it. I like, what about pizza? Is that like on your radar at all? Uh, I like it. I used to love it a lot more, but then I went gluten and dairy free. And oh. once you take the gluten and the dairy away from pizza, it really loses <laughs> a lot of its shazazz. That's true. <laughs> that, th- this is this is true. All right, um, Jesse, yourself. Uh, one minute. Tell us about the legend of Jesse. Okay. Um, I am the eldest of four. I grew up in Australia, like Josh. Um, I was homeschooled. Uh, my whole life um, and when people meet me they either go oh that that explains everything <laughs> or they say I had no idea one or the other uh, so yeah I'll leave, I'll give that I'll leave that up to you uh, dear podcast audience to decide um, yeah I'm married to Karina I've been married for about uh, three years now um, I've been in New Zealand the same amount of times as Josh spent two years in beautiful Tauranga on the east coast of New Zealand. Now I live in Palmerston North, pastor of Mosaic Community Church here in Palmy. 
Um, I love dogs, um, but I also love cats. I love uh, video games and photography, videography, podcasting, uh, The Lord of the Rings. Um, Bro, he said one minute. <laughs> <laughs> and all the other stuff. I mean, Dude, like, our time is up, man. We've been going for 40 <laughs> minutes now. Like, oh, that's okay. I just, I just love we'll it. It's so yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, look, there's something that you said that I've just got to jump on it. I got to jump on it because I envy you guys. I've never been to New Zealand. Um, I'm, I'm a Jersey boy, so it's pretty amazing that I live in Australia because, you know, this is like <laughs> cool, cool territory here. Um, but I got to be honest, I've been wanting to visit New Zealand for like forever. Um I'll go, I'll give you, I mean, I don't remember the exact date, but we're talking the very first Lord of the Rings movie, um, which is when I first discovered that there was this place called New Zealand because, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm from Jersey and I went to public school in Jersey and my geography skills and, you know, weren't very good because, you know, our geography class, I just didn't learn anything. Um, so, <laughs> oh man, my sincerest apologies to the New Jersey public education system. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so... When I first discovered that New Zealand was a thing, because I, I, you know, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. Like, where is this? I thought I have got to go there. So you guys live there. Um, so I've got to ask you this question: uh, Have you been to the Shire? Ooh, I have you? I have been to the Shire. Oh yes, sir. yeah, yeah. I'm planning on going next year because it's near okay. Hamilton. I just okay. haven't had a chance to go yet. Yeah. Because so Jesse's been to the pretty, Shire. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty pricey. To go. It is oh, is it? About... I thought it was free. It, no, 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 no. It's a private property. It's a private sheep farm that they actually, um, you know, hired out uh, yeah. from a from a, a farmer out in this some um, just out of this little town called uh, Matamata, and um, it's beautiful green rolling hills. In the distance, you can see the Kaimai Ranges, which in the uh, Lord of the Rings, of course, are the Misty Mountains. Yeah. Um, and it's a sheep farm, which they the they actually end up buying leasing off the farm and now you go any time of the year and there are hundreds if not thousands of people going through there uh, when awesome. my wife and i went there it was yeah it was like a tuesday afternoon in april and there were hundreds of people up in this little tiny um <laughs> information center going in but you go in they keep it all fully maintained yeah. um you can stop for photos the gardens are incredible because it's all it's extremely lucrative i mean yeah. The guy, the guy who is the farmer there, he still owns part of it, so I think okay. he does really well off it. Um, but well, yeah, he's got all those hobbits to help him too. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> no, it is magical, man. Honestly, if you're ever in uh, New Zealand, it's a it's a must see. It's a must yeah. see. Absolutely, man. I, I would absolutely love to go there and, and, and see that. It'd be the coolest experience. And, you know, right now I've probably got all these people listening to the podcast who've never seen Lord of the Rings and they're like, what is the Shire? Um, look, just YouTube it, you know, like YouTube the Shire, Lord of the Rings. And the yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's like one of the scenes and stuff where all the hobbits live. Anyways, let's move on, guys. That is really cool. Maybe maybe sometime next year I can take a trip up there and, um, you know, get a tour. Get a tour from Max and Jesse. If Heck you yeah. come to New Zealand, you have my personal guarantee. I will be your guide. Sweet. Yep. Look at that. That is awesome, man. I love it. I'm definitely <laughs> coming now. All right, guys, let's let's dive into this conversation because I'm really excited about it. <clears throat> we want to talk about um, 
this idea of it's time to burn Adventism. Now, let me explain that title a little bit because um, you guys are the hosts of a podcast called Burn the Haystack. And the tagline for your podcast is save the best, burn the rest. And of course, you focus on Adventist culture, um, church culture, and, and all kinds of topics sort of within that sphere um, and, and a bit broader, you know, as well. But it's definitely in that sphere. And, and so, you know, as I was thinking about, all right, what am I going to talk with Josh and Jesse about? I thought about this concept because the very first time I heard your tagline, I was like, yes, yes, we do need to save this, the best of Adventism and, and burn the rest. And that's really what the title is about. It's time to burn Adventism because sort of in my head, what I picture is you've got Adventism, it, you, you've got something that's, that's indestructible, but things mm. grow on it that are you know detrimental and so if you stick it in the fire it's not that adventism itself gets destroyed by the fire it's that it gets purified by it so um that's the idea mm -hmm. like it's time to burn adventism i'm thinking of this idea of how it can be purified by this flame um and there's a little bit of you know the whole theology of hell in there and the purifying fire and all that but anyways i'm not gonna <laughs> go there but um <clears throat> so i want to ask you from from your guys's perspective Save the best, burn the rest. What does that mean? And what inspired you to go with that tagline? Yeah, um, it's really evolved over time. Uh, and we certainly didn't set out with that exact tagline, that exact idea. We started with an idea and the idea just kind of grew. But from the very beginning, we knew that there was stuff about Adventism that we loved and stuff that we kind of, I, I wouldn't say hate. Maybe there is stuff that we could say that we hate. Um, and not not in our theology necessarily, but in the way that we live out. Um, so you could probably say not our orthodoxy, but our orthopraxy, the way that we practice our faith. Um, that's where we probably take the most issue, and that's probably what we speak to the most. And so as we looked at Adventism, I mean, it's very easy as a millennial to look around and to see what other churches are doing, churches that are perhaps a little bit more hip, a little bit more cool, uh, seem to have a little bit more going for them from our generation, and to go, oh, man, I just kind of wish that we were like that. And that made us think in many cases, well, what is the point of being Adventist? Does being an Adventist mean X, Y, Z? What, uh, what does it mean for me? Mm. Have we actually stopped to um, count the cost, as it were, of what does it actually look like to be Adventist? And do we actually get to decide that? Or is that just something that gets handed to us and we go, okay, I guess this is what it means to be Adventist. I can't do anything about it. And what we, I guess, have been discovering along the way is that being an Adventist isn't just about, well, being an Adventist most definitely is not about just accepting a set of statements or uh, a, a agreeing to a set of um, propositions. It actually is something that we have to work through in dialogue, in, in discourse. And so that's what we've set out to do, not to be the guys who have all the answers going like, this is what's bad and this is what's good, but let's dialogue about some of the stuff that we love about Adventism and some of the stuff that we should definitely keep and some of the other stuff that is really holding us back from being all who we can be and who Jesus is calling us to be. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. What did you add to that, Josh? Yeah, I think for me, just adding to that, I think, um, and yeah, you said you said a lot pretty well. I think it's, um, I think it's kind of like for me. I mean, I I had all, I've 
always see myself as an Adventist Christian. I have my time away from the church and stuff, but, um, you know, I've never seen myself as not an Adventist. But it wasn't until I started hanging out with more and more Adventists that people would say, I would say something and they're like, oh, you're not Adventist because of this. I'm like, what? Mm. I never knew that was part of the part of the thing. Or they're like, oh, no, you, you like this kind of worship music. That's not very Adventist. And I'm like, since when? You know what I mean? Like, it's, I think a lot of us have an idea of what Adventism is, but there are so many things that have gotten in the way and it's so cluttered that we've actually forgotten what the core of, you know, following Jesus in an Adventist context looks like. Um, yeah, and I guess the part of the, the, one of the quotes that sort of inspired the name um, is kind of after we'd already named it, but in the haystack, we looked it up and found this thing like, what's the fastest way to find a needle in a haystack? You burn the haystack. Mm. We're like, man, if the needle is Jesus and there's all these things in the way, mm. maybe we need to just burn a whole lot and actually find that needle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, I love that. That is that is awesome, dude. That is so powerful. Um, that imagery, that like, wow, very cool. Thanks for sharing that, man. So look, as, as you guys are talking, <clears throat> it kind of reminds me, because, you know, like this is an experience that I would imagine, you know, all of us, even those listening, you know, the listeners would say, yes, I get that. Like I experienced that. I've seen that, you know, and, and just going back to, to something that was said earlier, there's this sense in which, you know, like I'll have these conversations in, in church sometimes where we're, we're looking at ways in which we can um, redesign our church to be a place that really um, makes a, a radical and, and relevant difference in people's lives. And from time to time, I'll have someone come up to me and say, you know, the only thing that really matters is the truth, you know, and, and, and so and so what they usually mean by that is, yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with making the church more, you know, relational and focusing on small groups and meeting people's needs. But at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is the truth. And that's where we need to put most of our focus. Um, and and for me, I'm always like, you know. That would be true if truth was merely propositional, right? Like yeah. if mm. that's all truth was, if the only thing that truth was was an academic intellectual proposition, then that would be true. But scripture tells us that truth is not just propositional. Truth is experiential. Mm. Truth is something mm. that... You know, like you were saying, that the orthopraxy, the practice, it influences our practice. Mm. It influences how we treat others. So it makes no sense for the church to say we're going to proclaim the propositional truth that God is love and yet ignore the way we treat others, which is itself the truth as well. Does, does that make sense? Mm. I don't know if I got jumbled up there. No, or not, absolutely. And, and not just that, the fact that the truth is a person. That's you know, right. Truth Truth is Jesus. Jesus said himself in um, in John chapter fourteen, I believe. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, yeah. And no Messiah before Jesus actually made that claim. Mm. They claimed that maybe they knew the truth, or they knew the way, or they knew a way to be more alive. But Jesus makes these claims about himself. And what we're trying to do is to ju just weep away everything so that we can get back to the truth the way and the life, which is Jesus, and to follow him more fully. Um, yeah, and, and, and the only way that we can do that is by having these crucial conversations, really, um, because otherwise the, the truth is just something that's on a piece of paper or it's on a, in, in a book or, you know, it's on the lips and the mind of 
somebody who is just wanting to use that to force their own way. And, and that's not healthy. Yeah, that's right, man. Well, let me ask you guys a, uh, <clears throat> a controversial question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what are some examples uh, from your guys' perspective as pastors, as millennials, as influencers in the Adventist context? What is your perspective or some examples of things in Adventism that, that we should burn? That things mm. that should just be, you know, like you said, burn the haystack and, you know, and find the needle. Like that stuff that doesn't, is not necessary um, or not necessarily that it's evil, but that it gets in the way of Jesus. Like, yeah, what what are some things we should burn? Yeah, I think um, painting, I guess, with a, a, a broad a broad brush first and then I'll go into something a bit finer. Um, the way we actually connect and interact with culture um, you know, particularly I think of pop culture and those sort of things. This is probably one of the first things we actually started dealing with and probably one of the more inspiring ideas for us in starting the podcast is how we actually connect to culture. And way back at like episode uh, three, four, we did an episode on video games. Mm. Um, so this is just an example of that. And um, we really, like both Jesse and I, I mean, we have, I guess, Video games have just been a part of our journey for a long time. Mm. And a lot of people have just had this mindset of like, um, oh, it's, it's the devil, you know, like get rid of it um, and all that sort of stuff. And they have that with a lot of aspects of culture. Yeah, and yeah. I think, I don't know, like I, I think that sometimes we throw the throw the baby out with the bathwater with that. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm, yeah. And so, yeah, it's like I just think we need to probably like a real haystack that I see needs to be burned. It's this idea that all worldly culture is, is evil. Mm. Because I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, if you think about it, like, okay, um, if Christians had designed video games first and we were the ones who invented video games, they would be praised in all churches and be everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. But because somebody else came up with the idea, now it's off out of limits to us. It's the same, you know, mm. we're all humans and we're all coming up with these things. There's been a lot of times that I've learned a lot about life through games and even um, it's actually really common for people to learn to deal with things like depression through video games because mm. they learn how to, um, you know, things like if it's getting harder, it actually means you're progressing. If you run into challenge, it actually means you can overcome it. Things yeah. like that you mm. are really easy to learn in video games. Yeah. Not to say video games, they can be toxic at times, obviously, mm. but that's, yeah, that's another yeah. conversation. I agree with you. And I think that part of the challenge is that throughout the history of Christianity, predating Adventism, but certainly part of the influence within Adventism, um, is this idea that um, that anything that sort of happens in another cultural setting is automatically evil. So, uh, you know, for example, like when I was growing up, there was like this huge thing. Uh, about you know like paganism in the church like we shouldn't let paganism come into the church and look i totally agree like i you know i think paganism is an ideology that's not compatible with the gospel um but at the same time like people take that to extreme so you'll have people who will say like oh you can't wear a wedding band because that's pagan or or you can't celebrate christmas because that comes from paganism um and then one day i did some research and i found out that all the names of the week come from paganism as well right um <laughs> and then i did a bit more research and i found out that the handshake 
comes from paganism. In fact, um, the ancient uh, the ancient um, Egyptians would, you know, the pharaohs would have these, uh, you know, transcendental mystical experiences with their gods, and then they would come down from the temple and they would shake the hand of all the people that were there. This is one of the first recorded instances of handshakes. And one, they were shaking those hands. It was uh, they were transferring the power of the god onto the worshippers. And this is what we do after church every Sabbath. You know, we preach and then we come down and shake everyone's hands. So like that's pagan too. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, wow. and I started, you know, like I just kept doing research and I realized like I found so many mundane everyday things that originate in paganism. Um, and so my thought process, you know, my conclusion was, you know what? People are people first and pagan second. And, yeah. and because yeah. people are people first and they're created in the image of God, they're going to create, they're going to innovate, they're going to explore and, and push the boundaries. And we can't hold creativity and suspicion that way. You know, we've, we've got to be open to it. Um, I, I like how Tim Keller says it, especially when we're going into new sort of cultural expressions that we need to hold it with a cautionary enjoyment. So it's it's a balance mm -hmm. between saying, oh, everything's fine and, and oh, everything's evil. You know, it's this cautionary enjoyment where you approach it, you experience it, you you enjoy it. But you keep your eyes open for, you know, is this anti-gospel? Like, is this is this dangerous to the spiritual walk or is it not? You know, and, and, and you navigate that in, in a meaningful way. What are some other areas you think, you know, um, because I agree with you, like, I think pop culture is one of them. And like, as a church, we historically, we tend to we tend to criticize culture rather than influence it. And I think that's a problem. Um, what are some mm -hmm. other areas that you'd say, hey, these are some things we could burn? There's there's one that is possibly a little bit more controversial at this point in time than some of the other ones that we could talk about. But we should talk about it because I Let's think it relates it, to what... Let's do it. I'm yeah. going to put like some suspenseful, suspenseful horror music um, <laughs> on this <Yeah>. segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it relates to what Josh um, was talking about before. And it's the issue of equality, um, especially as it relates to um, women, as especially as it relates to... Um, minorities, and especially as it relates to people with alternate uh, gender identities or sexualities. This is something that, like, let's be real, it's not just the Seventh-day Adventist church that struggles with this. Um, mm. But at this point in time, you know, our church is in a complete upheaval. It seems, at least from where I stand, on the world stage um, with uh, whether women can be ordained. And you know, I, I've been I've been sort of keeping up with what's what's happening with an Adventism. Um, I'm actually uh, have been elected to go and represent uh, my union, my conference at the um, GC session in 2020, which I'm really excited about, but also really nervous because yeah. I mean, obviously, it's such a huge honor and a privilege, and also responsibility. So. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to being able to interact on that level, but with how we treat, like, let's just take women, for example. Women, as it stands, are able to be pastors and they're able to be elders, and that's great. But there's still this underlying current within our church because of ordination that says women are just slightly inferior to men. Um, and what we like to talk about is things like gender roles and, you know, what's appropriate and the fact that men should be the head of the household. And these are sort of ideas that we've been talking about for forever. And they've been more or less a part of society, um, a way that a lot of social scientists and historians have seen it is that men and women throughout the ages have had a sort of partnership. The men go out and they work. They provide physical labor so that they can 
give their families food and shelter and those basic things. Whereas, whereas women have had a, uh, a, a sort of inverse role where they raise a family and they order the household and they actually make sure that things are nurtured. And that's a partnership. Um, today, in our day and age, there is no longer really much need for every, for every couple um, for the man to be the sole provider or for the woman to be the sole nurturer. Um, culture has shifted. And a lot of the time, and this kind of comes back to the way that Josh is just talking about how we interact with culture in the sense that um, we want to set ourselves apart, be a peculiar people. And Christians have a really weird time. Adventists just kind of go along with this. Um, but just the way that we, we treat women, uh, at this point in time, I think it's just can do better in this area. We should do better. I mean, we have the gospel by our side. Um, we have the, the writings of the way of Jesus, which should inform the way that we, um, relate to the other, um, the other being anyone who's not like you. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good place to start. I don't want to go on about that forever. Let you guys no, jump look, in. I, I, I totally agree, man. Like, I think that, you know, this is an area like that even transcends. It's way deeper than just, you know, women, for example, women in ministry. Um, it's, it's way deeper than even just the idea of, of ordination. You know, there's a lot of different variables there. But I think if, if we just go back to you know, like sort of the, the the early days of Christianity, like before Adventism was even thought of. Um, Christianity, and this is something Adventists are familiar with, uh, Christianity became the, the, you know, one of the main, if not the main colonizing tool of empire. Mm -hmm. uh, and, so, and so as Christianity traveled and spread, um, it, it, it was, you know, it wasn't just the gospel that was being preached. It was, it was European Spaniard colonial power that was being, that was being proclaimed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so this is the root of, you know, slavery and racism. If we look mm -hmm. historically, you know, racism was a theological construct that, you know, when, when European power started to, you know, enslave people you needed some sort of theological construct to justify it and so mm. you know what what you end up with is the dehumanizing of tribal people in order to excuse the the colonization of these people the enslavement of these people um and you see this all the way through slavery in america the same arguments were used you know and, and people would say oh this is for the salvation of the tribal people um the salvation of the savages and blah 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 but really that was all just a mask to justify mm. this colonial sort of eurocentric rule and mm. and i feel like one of the reasons why Adventism was raised was to oppose that narrative. Um, and yet we haven't really done that well at it. You know, like our church pretty much mirrored the Jim Crow era in America. Um, yeah. we, we mirrored the, the, the racial tensions that were happening there. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the inequality of, of women is another sort of cultural thing that we could have led the way on, but we haven't, you know, we've just sort of mirrored what's happening around us. 
And yeah, I, I think this is a really sort of like a massive topic because when I look at the narrative of Adventism and I see, you know, what it's it's saying something nobody else is saying, and I'm not going to go into that now because whew, forget it, we'll be here for like five hours. <laughs> but um, yeah, like clearly, you know, the purpose for the purpose for belief system is that belief system, like you said, orthodoxy. It, it impacts orthopraxy. So beliefs mm. impact behavior, basically. And so if God gives people a whole new or different or unique set of beliefs, it's because he's expecting a whole new, different or unique set of behaviors as well. Like you can expect that as a logical sort of flow. And I'm not sure that we've really ever lived up to that, you know? Yeah, and that leads to an entirely different haystack that we we could burn, which we haven't really talked about that much. But I think that Adventists and Christians in general, we should be trailblazers. We should be pioneers. Yes. We should be championing the new, the different, the alternative. You did a whole episode upon the colonialization of um, Christianity, which I, I thought was so fascinating. Yeah, I really opened my, my eyes up. Um, but we should be pioneering new ways. I mean, the, the early church was not called Christianity or the church. It was just called the way. And it was this That's whole right. revolutionary new way of being in the world. Mm. Why have we stopped? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a brilliant question. And it's, it's one that I'm just like, you know, when you look at the possibilities that we have with, yeah. what, with what God has given us, it's absolutely, you know, stunning and it's brilliant. But, you know, yeah. it all begins like the interesting thing is like this, you know, going back to your comment on equality, like inequality always begins the same way. It always begins with some sort of construct that dehumanizes the people that, you know, in conversation, you know. So in this case, you'd see that, you know, like I think this is my personal opinion. I think that the conversation on whether women should be ordained or not is a relevant conversation that we need to have. And and I'm not, you know, opposed to people having differences of opinion with it. What irks me is the dehumanization of yeah. people who disagree, you know? And, and for me, that's like, now we're reflecting the colonial culture of middle age, you know, Roman rule. Like, Aren't we yeah. supposed to be different? You know, like it's not just, oh, we're different because we eat haystacks instead of, you know, pork chops. <laughs> um, it's, it goes way, way deeper than that. Absolutely. So look, man, I can, yeah, look, we can go on for this forever. But I want to I wanna yeah. ask the next question because we're running out of time. What do you think are some examples of things in Adventism that we shouldn't burn? So the things that we should save, the beautiful things. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. There's so there's so much. That's the thing. Like that's, um, I love I love, love 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 so much about our theology. Um, I was explaining to a guy recently about our theology of hell mm. and the afterlife, and you know, basically explaining annihilationism and and like he's he's a um, he's a Christian, but he'd never heard anything like that. He had no idea there was another option. Mm. Um, so for him, it was like a totally different way. I mean, he didn't accept it. But still, the seed's planted. It's never going to go away from his mind. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, personally, I believe it's, I believe it's so good that he'll, he'll keep thinking about it. And yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, because I think it is. And so I think for me, um, our belief on, on the afterlife, I think it's like it's amazing, and it, it mm. honestly takes so much burden off, off people. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I think we, 
we can preach it in a way where it's not like, hey, we're correct, but we can preach it in a way where we say, um, hey, let us give, look, can we, can we, I know a lot of you have seen God as this ferocious, mm. um, hating monster, mm. but this side of him that you've, that's been presented to you, we don't believe that's actually right. Can mm. we, can we actually show you a better picture of God, of a loving God who would never do that to his children? Yeah. Um, and that's, man, I just like, for me, that's like a needle that I just want to shine up in the sky and be like, hey, check this out. Like, this is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I honestly think it's a paradigm shift. And if, mm. if more people knew it who weren't Christian at all, I think we'd probably have more Christians in the world. <laughs> more people would follow Jesus if they had a maybe different perspective on the afterlife, but if they knew mm. the Adventist message. I couldn't agree more, man. When I was in the army, um, a lot of the guys that I spoke to who were like really anti-God, anti-church, anti-religion, they always brought that topic up like every single yeah. time. Oh, you guys talk about this God of love. He's so loving. Why does he do this? You know, um, and it always boiled back to hell. <laughs> so yeah, I agree with you, man. Like, and I think Ellen White says in The Great Controversy, like no teaching has pushed people away from God more than the teaching of eternal conscious torment. Uh, because wow. you know the human mind you know like how do you how do you make sense of it too like the the level the amount of cognitive dissonance it takes for you to say god is love and yet he's down with this thing right here is incredible you know yeah. and yeah. and so i agree with you you know like i'm super proud to belong to a tribe that says nah god's not like that and not only we're not saying it because we just because we feel like it's a mean thing to do um, here's our biblical reason, and we, and we have a strong biblical case for that. So I agree with you, man. Yeah, what else? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have another one, but I'll let Jesse go. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I was just going to talk about Sabbath. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah, right. you guys did an episode on Sabbath recently. Yeah, yeah, we did a little while ago. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is really, really key. Um, yeah, at least for us, is this idea of Sabbath. But sadly, Sabbath is kind of one of those things that we have we had to try and clear away some of the rubble around Sabbath. It's not one of those things that's just simply pure. I think, I suppose, like our teaching on hell, there's a bit of, you know, sort of re- um, invigorating that we need to do to be able to see it in the way that is most beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Sabbath is one of those. Uh, sadly, I grew up more in the Adventist church uh, hearing about why the Sabbath was correct, not so much why the Sabbath was beneficial. Yes. Uh, Amen to that, bro. <laughs> yeah, it was the whole, and again, it's what you said before. It, all that matters is the truth. That's mm-hmm. all that mattered to my peers. Oh, not my peers, but, you know, my elders, let's say. When I was growing up, all that I was told was why the Sabbath was correct and not why it was beneficial. And and I had to go and do this self-discovery about what was okay to do on Sabbath and what was not okay to do on Sabbath. And and that really led me into the conversation beyond that conversation, which if we're just having a conversation about what is okay to do on Sabbath and what's not okay, well, I think that's kind of a dead-end conversation a lot of the time. There's not a lot of of wiggle room in there and it really doesn't do much for people. At least Mm. I've... I've never had that conversation and come out the other end and go, I feel like I'm a better person and I know better and I'm more rich enriched because of this conversation. Yeah. I, I almost feel like the moment you like, ask that question, you've missed the point entirely already. You know, like the moment you get into what should I do? Exactly. Yeah. What shouldn't I? Like once you're there, you've already missed the point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, like I feel like a Sabbath of do's and don'ts becomes more of a burden than a release from yes. the rest of your week. Yep. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's yeah. 
So I think there's there's a lot to be said about the Jewish understanding of Sabbath, and that's what we explore a little bit. I mean, there's an amazing book by the late great um, Abraham Heschel called The Sabbath, um, which I was introduced to first at Avondale, and then I was reintroduced to by Rob Bell. So it's interesting, but in many cases, I've actually rediscovered the beauty of the Sabbath outside of the Adventist church, which Mm. is just reinforced my love of Sabbath within my tradition. Um, so we talk about in the episode, we talk about Manuha, um, the rest, the, the, the shalom, the peace, the, 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 the sense that of being one and whole and complete and, um, bringing that Manuha, that deep abiding peace to everywhere we go. And that the Sabbath is this cathedral in time, um, that is, is set apart from all creation, um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture, and it's really, really enriched um, my my faith walk. That's awesome, mm. man. Yeah, that is definitely, definitely something to keep. And and I agree with you. Like, there are elements there that need to be burned off, you know, because I grew up in the same sort of setting. And you know, mm. I remember I was talking with this guy at my church one time, and. <clears throat> He was saying, oh, when we take the young people, this was back in the day, you know, this guy that I grew up in church with. And he was saying, oh, when we take the young people, you know, out camping and out to nature on the Sabbath, they need to understand that, um, you know, if if they find a lake or something, they need to understand that it's okay if they splash their feet in it, but they can't go past that because then they're breaking the Sabbath. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> like yeah. where the heck did that come from, bro? Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This idea like, okay, now we're measuring, you know, how well we're keeping the Sabbath by how far we go into water. And and I'll never forget reading this book by Martin Weber. Uh, I think it was called Adventist Hot Potatoes. I don't know, some book from like the <laughs> 90s. Um, so they, obviously a 90s title there. But um, he was explaining, he was exploring that same thing. He was talking about, um, you know, this time that they had, they, I think it was South Africa, or it might have been South Africa, I can't remember. Anyway, they had some, some convention, Adventist Church, and there was a bunch of people that went from America and different parts of the world. And, um, and a friend of his who was from, I, I believe it was South Africa, but I might be wrong. Anyway, a friend of his told him this story because it happened to him. Um, the, he was on, it was a Sabbath afternoon, and he was on his way to the beach. So he had his uh, shorts on. And his snorkel, you know, because that's a typical thing that Adventists do there on Sabbath. They go swimming in the beach. Um, and um, and he bumped into a couple from America who saw him and they were like, where are you going? You know, they see this guy in swimming gear and they think, oh, my goodness, he's breaking the Sabbath, right? And um, so he looks at them and they're like in these, you know, like khaki shorts and binoculars and stuff. And he's like, where are you going? And they're like, oh, we're going we're going bird watching. And he says, oh, well, I'm going fish watching. So, <laughs> so, and the point he was making is like, you know, we, we, we create these, we, we create these rules. Like we create these barriers. We create this, this mess, this dross. Um, and I love the mission that you guys are on to say, we need to burn that stuff off because what we're really doing is we're missing the point. Like we're missing the real beauty because we're caught up in, in these man-made ideologies that you know quite frankly are so similar to what jesus protested when he was here on earth yeah yeah and if i may marcos you know one of the things that at least is really key for me is um growing up adventist i i had a lot of guilt and shame around some of the things where i felt like i wasn't good enough or or i wasn't measuring up to what it meant to be an adventist and i know that many of my peers had that as well Mm. And one of the things that I personally, and I think all of us really want to be doing through this is to be, I guess, 
giving people freedom in, in some way, shape, or form. Wh- yes. Whether it's just the freedom to go, you know what? If I buy a flat white on Sabbath, I'm not going to hell. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or whatever, whatever it is. Even yeah. if if it's something really serious, or if it's something really petty like that. You know, it, I think that for freedom, it's for freedom that we were set free. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I believe that with freedom comes a lack of fear and, and a lack of guilt and all that sort of stuff is supposed to be washed away and we should be living free, not living irresponsibly, you know, like Paul addresses that in Romans, you know, we're not supposed to just keep on sinning because we've been set free. We actually, we're called to be people, of, to be children of the light, but we're called to be the most vivacious, joyful, free, happy people in the entire world. When people yes. look at Christians, they should just go, man, they have got it going on. Yeah. Not yeah. Look at them, bunch of tie-wearing, quibbling, <laughs> skinny, vegan, weirdos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think like the amount of Adventists who I talk to, who, you know, they, you know, you think that they, you think they're all set and then you, you really dump the question on them. So, hey, um, do you know you're going to heaven? Mm. The honest, and like I ask that because I know that there are so many people who they they have no idea, yeah. even though they've grown up in the church, they know Jesus, that's they right. know all this stuff, but all this stuff that's gotten in the way has actually prevented them from realizing their own salvation. And mm. I think that's a disservice when we've let our traditions and when we've let our concepts get in the way of people's salvation. Man, we've made mistakes. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I couldn't agree more, dude. I couldn't agree more because fundamentally like you'll never ever grow in your relationship with god if you don't believe that you're safe in his arms it's like any other relationship if you're not safe in your marriage then you're not going to grow if you're not safe in your safe in your business relationship your business not going to go anywhere if you're not safe in your student teacher relationship then you're going to go and request to be moved to another class you know like if you're any relationship that you're not safe in you can't thrive in and so, you know, when we yeah. have a fear-based approach to God where, you know, we don't feel safe with him, but we're trying our best to live this life because we want to squeeze our carcass into the kingdom, that's not what God yeah. had in mind. And it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't well, result in the kind of life that glorifies him before the culture, which is what we really, really need to be as a church. So, yeah, look, one more question, guys, before we wrap up. One more question. What do you think the end result of saving the best, burning the rest could be? So your vision You've saved the best. You burned the rest. What can this result in, uh, in our church? Man, this is a really good question, Marcus. Um, yeah, I think I have I have an answer, but I also want to hear Jesse's answer. So I'm going to say mine, but it's not going to be for both of us. I don't think. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> for me, I I um I really want to see an Adventism that is simple. Mm. I want to see an Adventism that is with like just a real journey following Jesus. Um, you know, like we, we believe in this thing called, and this is, I guess, another thing that I think is one of our best, but we believe in this thing called present truth, which um, the summary according to Josh would just be like, present truth means pr- truth isn't the destination. Truth is the one who journeys along with you. Mm. And I, I think that like, I, I don't know. I think so people, so many people, like they still have this destination idea, but Adventism was actually born out of a journey. A journey along with truth. And I just want to see a simple Adventism again where people can just journey along with it. And we all start to look really different. We all start to look really eclectic. But we actually trust that Jesus is working in me and the same Jesus that's working in me, even though you're at a really different place to me, 
Jesus is working in you too, and I actually mm. trust that. I trust that the Holy Spirit is leading both of us, even though it looks a bit different right now. I trust yeah. that he's leading us to the same place. I love it. Yeah, I love so it, that's, man. That's what I would love to see, just a simple Adventism again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Jesse, yeah, what would no, you love like to see? I don't believe that at all. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, fair enough. That's, that, I, yeah, I want to see that too. I, I think if I could add anything to that beautiful picture that Josh has just painted. Um, did you make up that quote that you just said? Which one? The one about the one that's journeying with you? Yeah. Man, that's really good. That was deep. That oh, was thank deep. You. Message Actually, that to me I, so I, I can I, make a meme out of it. <laughs> or like a cool yeah. image quote for Instagram. Is it good? Maybe I should have maybe I should have quoted that before this then. I legit just came up with that on the spot. I thought it was kind of dodgy. <laughs> that's, that's, those are the brilliant moments are always random, bro. <laughs> um, oh yeah, no, look, I'll, I'll just add one thing. Um, I, I want to see an Adventism where the power structures are put back into the hands of the people. There it is. Mm. Um, I'm in. Yeah, and this is perhaps somewhat in response to what is perceived to be happening right now within our church tradition from the hierarchies. I mean, look, let's be real. We have a lot of hierarchies, and it, it can it can be really confusing. And, and I don't know about you, but being a young adult, it, it often seems like so overwhelmingly stacked in the favor of uh, suits and ties in Washington, D.C., far away. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think the true power of the gospel and the true power of Adventism is in the hands of the individual and the groups of individuals, the churches. Um, and I don't mean just, you know, individual buildings, um, Palmerston North, Central, SDA or Mosaic Community Church or any of your churches, but in the, in the hands of people who gather together in the name of Jesus, who want to see um, his kingdom come his will be done on earth as it is in heaven in their local communities, in their schools, in their workplaces, in their neighborhoods, in their suburbs, in their cities. Um, I, I want to see people, I want to see an Adventism where people feel like they can actually make a difference, like they are contributing to a, a greater vision. Even if they're following the vision of somebody else, I, I want to see an Adventism where um, we don't necessarily celebrate what happened somewhere over in the other way? Uh, you know, if something happens in the other side of the world, we celebrate that. But I think people get excited about what's happening in their local community. Um, and not because somebody else did something about it or they read it in an article, but because they're part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives at that point in time. Yeah. And there are pockets of Advent. This is happening. But so often I see young Adventists just kind of, going through the motions because they feel like they don't have any real power to make change. And I just want to see that shift and completely get turned on its head where they feel like they are the ones who are most powerful um, and they can make a difference. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. I love it, guys. Man, we have uh, run out of time. Uh, I wish we hadn't because I would love to keep chatting. Um, but look, I want to close with this. I absolutely love what you guys are doing. I love the uh, Burn the Haystack podcast. Anyone listening um, today, if you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you Google Burn the Haystack. Check these guys out. Follow them on, on, on Instagram. Follow them on Facebook. Subscribe to their podcast. Give them a like. Give them a shout out. Um, love what you guys are doing. And I would just want to encourage you to continue to do it because I believe as well, like I share that same belief with you that Adventism is absolutely beautiful. And sometimes we bury that beauty by covering it up with rags of our own making. So, um, you know, I believe Sorry. in your vision of uh, burning the best 
uh, or sorry, bur saving the best, <laughs> saving the best, and uh, and burning the rest. Yeah, let's not burn. Let's not burn the best. We want that to stay. But uh, look, guys, thanks for coming on the show. Now, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you um, or find you, like, what's your website URL? How do they find you? Uh, oh well, um, yeah, we are on yeah both Facebook and and burn the haystack. Uh, Facebook and Instagram under burn the haystack. But I guess if you want me personally. Or Jesse personally, I actually just changed my Instagram tag to Josh Stuthers. Whoa, no more Captain Yoshi. No more Captain Yoshi. So oh. Josh Stuthers on uh, on Instagram if you want to follow. And I'm chat. just Jesse James Herford on Instagram and um, Twitter. I don't use Twitter heaps, but no, I don't use it. I have it. I don't use it. Though. I have it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you wanna, if you wanna get, on, and of course we have Facebook, but um, yeah. Those yeah. are the easiest things to get in touch with us. Instagram's way easier than Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Instagram's yeah. good. Yeah. Instagram's like the new cool thing in town. I find Twitter a bit frustrating. Like the engagement is so bad. Um, oh, like yeah. Unless you're posting like a hundred times a day, you get like no, yeah. barely any engagement. So, you know, but um, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for that, guys. I'll, I'll put the links under the episode as well so people can find you easily. But uh, thanks again for coming on the show. And before I close, uh, I just want to invite you guys who are listening um, to not only check out the Burn the Haystack project or, or podcast, but to also head over to the storychurchproject.com slash start. That is the storychurchproject.com slash start. And once you head to that link, you are going to find the first ever church strategy process that is by Adventist for Adventist. So check it out, guys. You can subscribe for free. Seven simple videos that take you through three simple steps to redesigning your local evidence church. So check it out, guys. It is free. It's for you. I will catch you next time. And in the meantime, don't forget, in your local church, wherever you are uh, this week or this month or wherever you're investing your life, don't forget to save the best of Adventism, to celebrate it <laughs> and burn the rest. Thanks, guys. Yeah! And I'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's latest episode of the Story Church Project podcast. I hope you were blessed. If you haven't yet had a chance, I want to invite you to head over to thestorychurchproject.com and subscribe to the newsletter. Not only will you get the latest updates every week, but I'm also going to send you a free gift straight to your inbox. You don't want to miss it. I'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>